Hey, DC beer lovers, this is Richard. I'm doing the intro for this show because we had so much going on. Uh, We recorded this episode in many, many different sessions, uh, so the introduction really didn't come together. But here's what we got. We're starting off, Jake Berg is talking to Greg Engert from the Neighborhood Restaurant Group, giving you a preview of Snallygaster, the big street festival that NRG puts on. It's back this year after the pandemic. Tickets are available. Uh, Check the show notes for details, but listen to this great update on everything that's going to be happening at Snallygaster. After that, Jake and Brandy spent time with every brewer at Boundary Stone's Battle of the Barrel Age Beers for last week's DC Beer Week. Uh, We talked to all the brewers, uh, and they have a short interview with each one talking about the beer that they brought to the Battle of the Barrel Age Beers. So, a lot going on in this episode. We hope you enjoy it. Remember, at DC Beer on all the social medias, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the episode. Greetings, listeners. I'm here with Greg Engert, beverage director and partner over at Neighborhood Restaurant Group. And we're here to talk all things Snallygaster, which happens Saturday, the 9th of October, downtown Pennsylvania Avenue. VIP is sold out, but as of this recording, there are still regular tickets available. Greg, hello. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Great to see you. Let's get, um, I guess, like the the COVID debriefing and flight safety information out of the way first. Uh, Snallygaster took last year off um, when there was no vaccine. Now there is a vaccine and Snally's back. What capacity are we at downtown? What precautions are NRG you all, you all taking? Um, so, you know, I mean, we are, we are back. And I think it was kind of shocking to us to find out what the actual capacity for our space downtown is, um, because it's way more than we've ever utilized. Um, you know, I think, you know, it's no secret that we've been coveting this uh, space on Pennsylvania Avenue in front of the Capitol building, uh, you know, third and Constitution all the way up to seventh and Penn for many years. We finally convinced the city to let us, let us do this uh, in 2018, did well, did it again in 2019, even better. And um, so, you know, we're going to stay here as long as they will possibly let us. But it turns out that uh, you know the capacity for that large expanse is is really high. So, keeping our levels of guests uh, around the seven to eight thousand mark is actually um, about fifty percent of capacity down there. Believe it or not, um, and so we are you know good to go, feeling good about that. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean I think we're there. As with everything, and as we've been doing throughout the pandemic, whether it's in D.C. or Northern Virginia, uh, MoCo in in Maryland, or even up in New York City, we are following to the the letter all of the uh, local and uh, uh, broader regulations. Um, So, you know, kind of watching everything as it goes and making sure that we're following things tightly, uh, but feeling good about a a very, very, uh, you know, wide-ranging outdoor experience uh, which should be, I, I believe, very safe for everybody. Cool. 
450 beers, give or take. Throw in a couple ciders, a couple meads as well. The VIP um, festivities start at noon. What do you think the people who run or speed walk are going to run or speed walk to um, among those, the, the, the VIP offerings, the, the six stalls that may not be there come uh, 2, 2.30? Yeah, it's a great question. It's so funny too because, you know, in 2019, which was just a, two short years ago, uh, so much has changed. I mean, there's so many breweries we're going to have at this event that people are going to be running for and are going to kick first that either didn't exist or people didn't know about uh, back then or, you know, um, so uh, it will be interesting. Of course, we'll have, you know, the standards. Um, we just learned today, Tim Liu, you know, our, uh, our beer director, uh, an amazing guy um, who does so, so, so much with Snallygaster, particularly for the beer side, but even more, um, let me know that Monkish, after not getting back to us as quickly as we wanted to, has confirmed. So Monkish will actually be at Snallygaster. I think you're the first person I'm telling you about that. We um, hadn't included that in any of the original lists or anything. So I'm sure Monkish will draw a lot. Uh, we'll have Trillium for the first time ever at Snallygaster. They'll draw. Some of these amazing upstate New York uh, stout and fruited sour brewers like Mortalis and Fidens, I think are going to draw uh, a lot of waves. Uh, Floodlands from Seattle, Washington for exquisite mixed firm beers. They're going to draw uh, the Lambic producers like Cantillon um, and uh, uh, Jerry Fontaine and We'll, we'll bring in uh, a lot of crowds. I mean, we're busting out some cases of Zeni Frontera from Jerry Fontaine and uh, a keg that we discovered, a Fufun, we didn't think we had. We're going to bring that out um, for, for Stanley Gaster. So I think those are some of the breweries that will probably um, yeah, draw uh, a lot of interest early on. Cool. So you've got 450 beers here. And obviously each and every year that you all do this, try and mix it up, bring in something new, and also keep the classics, and then of course, keep it somewhat, you know, keep the, the DMV brewers in the loop as well. How much of a challenge is all of this? Do you start out with like a wish list of say closer to 600 or 1,000 beers and then kind of whittle it down? How do you determine um, who to ask out of like the like the newer breweries, the Mortalises, the Floodlands, like you know breweries that kind of that popped up on my radar at least really like in the last like six twelve months? Right, it's it's a great question. I think it starts by Tim and I reviewing like who you know who's been there in the past. We always invite uh, brewers back. Um, and then we always, I, I'm always like, okay, we need to expand because if everybody wants to come back, we need to have them back. And so, but we also want to invite new brewers. I mean, NRG, neighborhood restaurant group from the start has been extremely, uh, focused on introducing people to beers they never had before, brewers they never heard of. Uh, and so like Snallygaster to me always has to have a new selection of brewers, um, each and every year, you know? And so... But we start off with the idea that everybody's coming back. That makes us want to expand. And so this year we knew we were adding, you know, a few more brewers and like 50 more beers just to start. Cause I was like, you know, I know there's some people out there we're gonna want to come back. 
Um, one of the things we've also done is in the past, we had a lot more like brewers doing like four beers and some doing two. We've really moved towards most brewers doing two beers to open up those extra spots. So you're absolutely right that like we are concerned, like how do we, how do we keep inviting people without going too big and having too much to handle or running out of room? Um, so that's really how it goes. We get contacted by tons and tons of breweries to be involved and you know, it, a lot of the, most of the breweries that we have are based on relationships, people that we know, we've hung out with, we've done other events with, um, beers that we love, um, and you know, or brewers that are really close with us, being like, you know, I want you to meet this brewery. They're, they're really they're they're tight with us. We know you love them. That's kind of how that goes. Uh, but we are always trying to figure out ways to kind of keep some spaces open for for new people we've never even heard of, or you know, others that just kind of surprise us. Uh, and jump in. Cool. What's the back and forth like between you and the brewers, the breweries, in terms of like who's bringing what? So let's say if a brewery has two beers, um, are you looking with an eye towards like maybe don't bring beer X, but do bring beer Y since either it's like a great example of the style or something that's under underrepresented at Snally? That's, How's a, great, that work? that's a great question. It's changed completely over the years as everything in the beer industry has changed. In the old days, uh, we kind of would go to the brewers and be like, hey, we're hoping you could bring this and this because this is what you specialize in. And there's a lot more kind of back and forth in that way. What's happened kind of naturally over time is that when we select new brewers now um, and discuss and talk to new brewers, we always have in mind kind of why that brewer is there. You know what I mean? So like Halfway Crooks, one of our best buddies in the industry down from Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, shout out to Atlanta, Georgia, Halfway Crooks. Sublime Lager Factory. They exactly, have exactly. There. We know when they, when they show up, like we don't have to worry about them rolling in with pastry stout, right? And so it's been really kind of, but as people have begun specializing, and even those breweries that do like maybe specialize in pastry or specialize in fruit or specialize in hazy, and they make divine lagers on the side, we still know like what we want them to bring. And sometimes we'll be like, well, maybe bring your pastry and then you can bring like one classic or something like that. But when it comes to something like Halfway or, or Wayfinder, um, you know, Bierstadt, Lager House, like we know what they're gonna bring. And so, it's, it's cool because we, we are starting, when we look at the invites and who's coming, we're already starting to know what we want them to bring. And so it's become like, kind of like this telepathic thing. So when we get in touch, it's very rare that a brewery comes back to us with beers that we don't expect from them. And so we've already kind of got it mapped out just in brewery selection before having to have those awkward conversations of like, well, we don't want this or that. You know? And with this many beers too, we don't have to lean as hard on like, oh, can you bring this? beer that people love Sally Gaster uh, brewers love Sally Gaster when they show up they bring they bring the heat you know they bring like stuff that they're really proud of whether it's a you know a lager producer who loves their lager or you know a barrel aged stout producer who's going to show up with that um, so it's all kind of organic at this point uh, and works way easier than you'd expect it's, 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 it's cool it's like this tacit kind of thing that just happens. From time to time, we'll be like, well, actually, can we do this or that? But for the most part, based on just the types of breweries we're selecting, and we are very, very concerned with balancing it, right? Like, 
we know we're going to have those um, big time hype brewers. We know we're going to have the classic brewers. We know we're going to roll in all the traditional brewers from overseas. And so we're making sure that we've kind of already covered our bases before selection even begins. Yeah. So the, actually, the overseas aspect is something that I want to touch on because you know better than I um, how much COVID and the pandemic has sort of like wreaked havoc on international shipping. Um, what is the what is what is the gravity logger from uh, Germany situation look, looking like? I was just about to say, like you know, it's not as bad as you think, but in that case, it's as bad as you think. Yeah, uh, it's just like it's non-existent. That's that. There are certain um, like unfortunate casualties uh, to in, in the beer game to with COVID. I mean, there's way worse casualties um, from COVID, but when it comes to beer. Things like the gravity loggers from Germany is just non-existent this year. But um, I will say that COVID hit hard for exports, imports early on and stopped everything in its tracks. But it's all kind of come back to the point where now like enough, enough stuff showed up in the market over the past few months, we were able to snag and set aside. And of course, these beers are, are brewed to last, so we didn't have to you know, be as concerned, which is good because it has the, the delays in shipping has been have, have just continued to like really really be problematic for us. Um, oh now I mean merchandise is insane. I have been spending the last week trying to locate certain merch, source it with the right colors, and you know like it seems like nobody has mediums. Uh, it's just nuts. I mean it's 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 real trying to get things right now. Glassware is impossible to get. And then when you can get it, it's more expensive. So it's a problem, but we were, we were able to get out ahead of it enough to make sure that we had a great amount of classic, uh, you know, beers from Europe um, on tech, even if they're not uh, gravity case. Well, I mean, you heard it here first folks, Greg Engert says that if, if you're looking for um, hype glassware, um, the time to panic is now. Um, for several years now, I think we've, we've all seen um, weird Instagram pictures of um, people drinking like hazies out of like uh, fish bowls and um, like lucite lamps. Well, if you get, um, you, you, legs. you have to pay more for it now. That's all. I'm yeah. yeah. If you, if you uh, want yeah. it, you can so, get it. It's expensive. Yeah. So it's that, um, you know, instead of, instead of hoarding hype stouts, um, stock up on, medi- on medium shirts. That's right. Interesting. <laughs> Fascinating stuff. All right. So of the newbies who are coming to Snallagaster this year, who are you most excited for? Oh, that's a good question. You know, it's funny. I mean, I'm excited about a lot of it. And looking at a lot of the beers over the, uh, the past few days uh, and breweries, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm extra- you know, a lot of the ones I've already mentioned uh, like like Floodlands, um, I can't wait to try their beers. Um, and uh, Wayfinder, I just mentioned before, they did this collab uh, with um, Peter Allen and Beerstadt Lager House. It's like a a Pullet Mavi 13, like Czech amber style lager. That's going to be ridiculous. I can't That's wait. That's what we'd like to hear. To Keep it that. somewhere between like <laughs> five and a half and like low sixes. Exactly. Nice ruby color. Um, so that, you know, that is, we're all about that. Then like, you know, 
Uh, my buddy Ben Little. I mean, there's so many. So I'm just going to say because of my hat. My buddy Ben Little, who has Four Score Brewing Company up in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Yep. X, X Manor Hill. X Manor Hill. Victoria Gastropo. Flying Dog. Yeah. Shout he's, out to Ben. He's been crushing it up there. His beers are highly regarded, and uh, we're really excited to have him down. Burnish beer from Randy Mills. Uh, you know, uh, XRIR, like so many of those. He's coming down. We'll have uh, Avery and Keeping Together from Chicago. She's sending stuff down. Like, Very cool. Uh, For the listeners, Avery is uh, ex-Jester King. Uh, Swanson, yeah. So yeah. Um, there's just like, uh, there's, it's just, it's, it's crazy. There, there's so much um, stuff um, that we're excited about. And then just like, you know, Schlenkerla Hellas. Even though you get it around and we serve it all the time, we're going to have, you know, plenty of that. There's nothing wrong with that. You no, know, there's coming, not. You know, coming, uh, coming in, you know, at, at, at 5% after, after a day outside. Exactly. Um, that, that may be what you want. It, it will be what you want. And, you know, uh, Sante Darius is back. Um, but they're uh, incredible uh, beers, including some Family Whistle which is their barrel-aged mixed fire with passion fruit that they typically reserve for like their club members. Uh, Cider-wise, we've got Oliver's back uh, with some classic Perry. I mean, there's just like, there's so much. Um, and uh, I'm really only like even reviewing the, the, the first tranche of beers right now. I mean, there's so much more on the way. So it's, uh, as always, an embarrassment of riches, but I'm really excited about like, the balance. And I think that's something to talk about. Like, it's so funny back like 10 years ago before hazies and fruited sours and even like, you know, dessert stuff stuff took off. It was, well, I would say like 15 to 20 years ago was lots of imported styles, right? So people made um, lots of classic styles or versions of classic styles, Americanized versions, right? So like not a lot of people were making bitter, but they were making American pale ale. Not a lot of people were making like English style porter, but they were making, you know, like Americanized versions of them and, and the list goes on and on. Uh, even like when Belgian Triple kind of ran its course, they started barrel aging it. And then that all led into this time in the, you know, 2014, 15, 16, where people really kind of got away from classic styles. And I'll also say that lager was never big in the old days. Um, you know, people would make it, obviously Victory made it, still makes it incredibly well. But, you know, there's a reason why we coveted Prima Pills and Braumeister Pills and things like that, because, like, it wasn't that many brewers who would mess with it, Sly Fox. Would, yeah. You know, and you know this more than make. anyone, because you were at the Brickskeller, which was, like, the house of yeah, we had it all. Euro, Euro yeah. Pale Lager, International yeah. Pale Lager. We had it. I know, yeah. And, like, yeah. you know, people who'd studied abroad in Munich would come in and drink it, because they remember drinking Augustina Broy um, from back then, although the Augustina Broy we get in the States isn't the same as it. But either way, they would do that, and it would be, it would be amazing. Um, but, but, yeah, Americans weren't making it. There wasn't a kind of reverence for classic styles. Like I said... There was reverence in studying it and then kind of transforming it. I mean, the most classic example is, you know, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale being a version of an English Pale Ale bitter that got supremely Americanized with North Pacific Northwest hops. So that happened, everybody loved that. But like now what's kind of cool is that that innovation, that experimentation, that push to take what we learned and make something that was ours, an American, led so far away from the classics that now true versions of the classics are not just coming back, but they're like 
supremely revered. Like, no, it's a it's a rite of passage at the American but, Beer Festival to show up at Beerstadt Lagerhouse now and right, get yourself exactly. a slow that pour that pills. Was Ten years like, ago, just, people would yeah. never do that. They no, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't even make a lager. If, if we showed up to a festival, Shelton Fest, back in like 2012, 13, 14, with lager beer, the Europeans would love it. And other people would like be, be like, this is cool. But people would be like, this is odd. It's not a choice. And now... It is, it's cool to do that. So anyways, the, the, the thing here, and, and now you're starting to see it beyond lager, right? Bitters, milds, um, obviously Czech beers, like Tamavi, Polet Mavi. These are words even people, even Cicerones didn't know three years ago. You know what I mean? And now it's there. So in some ways, this push to the fringe of beer with like pastry stouts and fruited sours and haze all day, has led this yin and yang effect where all these classics are coming back. And I feel like we're in kind of a really cool spot. So when you show up to Snallygaster this year, it's not gonna be like, uh, it's all cool beer, modern, you know, hip beer. Now there's like tons of unsexy beer as well. And I mean, and, you know, full, full disclosure, um, the, the DC beer crew is profoundly unsexy in our beer tastes. Yeah, and so like 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 when I go to the Sovereign, like what do I want? I want Terrace Bulba. Like you know, I just like just want this like this this it, yeah. It's like it's deceptively simple, but also complex. Like really well made Belgian style pale ale. Where are you, you guys you gonna get, like? Are you guys gonna uh, try to break down some of these beers this year or what? Yeah, I mean four four fifty is like you've you've really um, kind of like thrown you know thro- thrown us a, a curveball here. That's a you did four hundred so in twenty nineteen. Yeah, we did do we did do four hundred. I guess like what's an, what's another fifty rows on, on 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 Google Sheets? I think we can make this happen. Greg, how can people get tickets to this? And just as a reminder to the listenership, what do these tickets benefit in terms of nonprofits, the local economy? Yeah, totally. So, so Sally Gasser is an event we've been doing for uh, uh, nine years now, um, and every single year. Uh, it goes to benefit Arcadia Center for Sustainable Food and Agriculture, which is a nonprofit we began back in 2011 to help the local uh, uh, food system to bring quality food to underserved uh, neighborhoods um, in the DC area, um, to train veteran farmers, to educate children on uh, on great food and farming, and things like that. So. Uh, Sally Gaster has been an integral uh, part of funding this organization. And once again this year, that's what we're doing it all for. So if you visit, uh, well, first visit uh, Arcadia.org, um, you'll find all, all the information on this. But if you go to SnallyGasterDC.com, uh, you'll be able to pick up tickets. Jake earlier mentioned that VIP is sold out, but we still have plenty of general admission tickets. Uh, they run from two to six. This gives you unlimited tastes of 450 plus beers, wines, ciders, cocktails, um, access to incredible music. We'll have a ton of great food trucks uh, right in front of the Capitol on Pennsylvania Avenue. It's going to be a hell of a day on Saturday, October 9th, and uh, we hope to see everybody there. No rain, no rain, no rain. Thank you so much, Greg. Um, We appreciate it, and we will see you soon. Greetings, everybody. It's Jake. I'm here with Brandy, and we are recording at Boundary Stone about an hour or so prior to 
the eighth annual Battle of the Barrels for DC Beer Week. Um, I would go, it's my preferred DC Beer Week events, given that uh, the Brewers in the Block is not happening this year. Me too. I, I second that. Things are about to get rowdy in here. We're tr- we were trying to snag some folks before the event actually started, but I think it's going to be kind of fun getting all the brewers in, interviewing them uh, more more and more drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm excited. I love this event. So. Yeah, stick around. Um, drunk brewers, uh, drunk podcasters. There could be some shenanigans going on. Um, adjust your Dolby B noise reduction <laughs> as, as needed as we were coming to you uh, from the... Boundary Stone Alley. Thanks. Live from Boundary Stone. Yeah. <laughs> We're here with uh, Daniel Villarubi from Atlas Brewing, and Daniel's got himself a, a very interesting looking concoction. It looks like it's got many, many, many pounds of fruit. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so uh, this is the Mayor for Life. That's our entry in the uh, Battle of Barrel Aged Beers of Boundary Stone. Mayor for life means uh, we can probably deduce what the berry is. <laughs> it's Marion berries. Very nice, very nice. Um, yeah, we put uh, we put four hundred pounds of Marion berries in this beer, uh, and that's what kind of gives it this um, very very red, almost fruit punch kind of color. This will give us the opportunity to shout out the dearly departed Chocolate City, um, who made a a Mister Mayor um, Marion Berry Imperial Stout many many moons ago. That is now uh, where the Dewdrop Inn is. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, RIP for sure. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, uh, was this was this plan for uh, the Battle of the Barrels that you were going to do uh, something with Marion berries and uh, sort of like bring it all like a like a real DC theme? Well, at any given time, we're sort of uh, working with you know probably three or four different uh, barrel projects, and whenever Battle of the Barrels comes around, um, well. I'd say at least the past two years because uh, the, the rules have sort of been relaxed uh, due to the pandemic. Um, we just kind of work with whatever we think is our favorite. Um, uh, for those who aren't aware, who aren't uh, well versed in in this event, um, it's uh, it's there's usually like uh, some kind of caveat, some kind of rule uh, that you have to follow. Um, you know, either it has to be in a certain type of barrel, it's got to be a certain style of beer, something along those lines. Um, but the past two years, we've just done you know. Um, best foot forward, like pick your favorite barrel-aged beer and uh, put, it, put it into the competition. Um, so for us this year, we're actually like really stoked on this beer. We've been, uh, we've been working on it for a bit. Um, and, you know, bringing in like that quantity of fruit is not easy. And, you know, um, it's always kind of a, the barrel program always has to sort of be second fiddle to the core beers. Um, but when we had this, we knew we had a hit and we're just like, um, really hoping for a win this year. How it's f- good. Yeah. Yeah. How, <laughs> how far and wide did you have to go with like Coastal Sunbelt or Kearney to like source um, 400 pounds of uh, Marion berries? Uh, we actually got it through Webster store. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and frozen because it's like pretty much the only way to get them because I think like a, like a really vast majority of like the, the, uh, the country's blackberries are grown in Oregon. So, you know, trying to get them in the middle of summertime uh, across the country, there's really no way to do it besides frozen or freeze dried, I guess. Mm-hmm. Really. What what is this uh, clock in at six point six point one, which oh, I think make, might make it the most sessionable beer on the menu today. Very I'm ex- nice, very so nice. I was telling, I think I've mentioned this with Steve and a couple of other guys that that have already sat in this chair, that I am so excited. Well, not only because it's everyone's favorite DC Beer Week event, but because not everyone's going to be 
for lack of better words, shit-faced uh, as quickly because there's not, it doesn't have to be 13 or 11%, you know? It, it can be six or seven or eight, and I think we're going to get different styles and more, you know, like, fruit-forward and, you know, instead of big, yeah. big, you know, heavy um, chocolate bombs or, you know. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Real quick, before we let you go, can you say a little bit about the barrel itself? Since oh, yeah. um, it's, it's hard to tell where like the, the vinous wine-like notes come from in terms of either the berry or the barrel. So the bulk of it's coming from the berries. Uh, just when you have that sheer quantity of fruit, um, that's what it is. But it's uh, but great call on the vinous because it's red wine barrels. There you go. Um, sourced from Northern Virginia. The yeast in this, the attenuation is off. Like, it just, it vanishes on the palate. Like, it's bone dry. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a couple strains of bread in there. All right. Um, we, we love our bread at, uh, at Atlas. And, um, and especially on any sour beer, really kind of, like, rounds it out well. Really cool. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. Oh, well, thank you. we love you. We love Atlas. Yay. Love you guys, too. Cheers. Hey everybody, Brandy and Jake here with my main man over here, Steve Taylor from DC Brow. Hey, Steve. Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming on the show Thanks at for this me. really awesome event. It's one of my favorite events every year. Steve, tell us about um, the beer that DC Brow bought. So, this year's entry is Casilla, which is an imperial oatmeal stout that we aged for 10 months in barrels that were given to us by 1-8 Distilling. Their prior lives included uh, aging uh, some of 1-8's bourbon, and then 1-8 gave those lovely barrels over to our friends at uh, Harper McCaw Chocolate, Mm. where they aged some cocoa nibs in them, and then gave them back to 1-8, where 1-8 aged some wheat bourbon in those barrels and then they gave them to us where they could house our glorious oatmeal stout that we made for this event today so uh we're talking bourbon we're talking chocolate we're Uh, talking bourbon we're talking chocolate we're talking like this is the greatest brunch ever cool (laughs) absolutely have some pancakes waffles yes very nice very nice uh so this so this year there wasn't any um, ABV criteria, like in, any any issues with anyone um, bringing anything below eleven percent or ten percent. So, what does this one clock in? Ours at? is coming in at a wonderfully tasty thirteen and a half percent. Thirteen. Okay. All right. All right. It's probably you, not the booziest, but uh, maybe you know, pretty it, middle ground. Well, you know, it, it comes in just like a red wine. So, mm-hmm. if you're you know, if you're a red wine drinker, this is going to be just like a walk in the park for you. Awesome. That's right. It's nothing compared to like the, the modern American Zinfandel that is uh, Wake Up in the Future coming in at uh, 15.5, I believe. We, we don't want to knock anyone's head quite yet. We need to work into the fall dark beer season. So we're just going to start you off easy with a 13.5. Uh, I think our team over at the brewery really knocked it out of the park with this one. It's awesome. Were you part of the taste testing? <laughs> I can either confirm nor deny <laughs> that. Uh, but let's just say that they don't really let anybody taste it till they think it's about ready. Oh, wow. Barrel selection is stunningly important, actually, in, in this competition. Because if you get even a barrel that's a little too wet or not quite wet, you don't get 
you know, you don't get your results. Awesome. So uh, how many 1.8 barrels are, um, were uh, used in this process? Just one, and then it was turned no, into... No, a, a few. All right. A few. Well, Steve, thanks for coming on for this little brief little moment. And, uh, you know, we're, I'm feeling pretty good about this beer. This is a, this is a good one. percent You're yes. just feeling good in general. Well, right. not yet. I just had a sip of it, but it's, it's pretty darn tasty. Yeah. Excellent. Well, yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Hey, hey, hey. I'm happy to announce the uh, next guest as my local go-to Cheers neighborhood brewery. The owner, Mr. Ben Evans. Everybody applause. Woo! Yay, Hellbender. <laughs> um, hey, Ben. Welcome to the podcast again. Hey, hey Brandy. Uh, thank, hey. thank you guys for having me. <laughs> Tell us what you brought for the Battle of the Barrel Age beer tonight. Cool. Yeah, so we have a rice saison that was aged for about 15 months in gin barrels from 1-8 distilling. Um, and it was uh, also aged with some Britannomyces. So you're looking at very dry, uh, about 6% alcohol, uh, crystal clear. It, it actually um, has had so much time to age that you're looking at a beer that's that's uh, got really nice clarity. And it's just got a little bit of um, funky aroma and some tartness in, in the back end and just a little bit of spice from that, that gin barrel that you get there. So, so there's no fruit in this despite like notes of like green apple, like a little pear, mm-hmm. a little stone fruit. Yep. This is all like bread and um, like the gin barrel. It just tastes like gin. a dry, yeah. dry apple cider. By the way, we sort of, at this point, yeah. um, we've mentioned 1-8 a lot. Shout out to Alex and the 1-8 distilling yeah, team. Hey, Alex. Yeah, Love, Love those you. guys. Yep. Ben, how bitter are you about uh, this year not having a an ABV um, limit cr- uh, criteria? Because I remember vividly two years ago, and yep. yes, vividly, but that was that was the before I got drunk. Um, Hellbender being my favorite beer at the Battle of the Barrel Age Beer two years ago, and Richard agreed. You know, we we both talked about it. But you guys were disqualified because of the ABV. But how you brought a six point? What was it? Four, what what is it? Last year was eight point five, and I believe the the limit was nine. Oh, oh, and that was last. I'm talking about two years ago. Two, well, when, two years. Yeah. Well, last year nothing happened. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, two years ago, yeah, that was that was the the case. Yeah. Um, and it was a different. Uh, it was a it was aged in a. Um, Cotton and Reed rum barrel, oh, uh, also that. with Britannomyces, but it was a much bigger uh, saison. But that was such a good beer. So, so you. what is yours clocked in at tonight no, again? Six percent. Oh, right at so. Oh, yours yeah. is the lowest. Yeah, uh, yeah. maybe six, I haven't checked and then everything. Six point one and then six point four. I yeah. think is the. Okay. It's yeah. n- it's nice to have options. We like we got three in the sixes. Right yeah. proper, uh, not right proper. Sorry, um, three stars is coming in <laughs> just under. I Ale- believe eight. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and then um, they go up and up and up. And There's of a course, couple over 16, I think, this year. Yeah. Thank Speaking you. of Hellbender, <laughs> uh, on October 17th, for all of you who are listening, and if you are in the industry, the beer industry, and you play music or sing, come and hang out. It's going to be a kind of chill, you know, beer drinking, musician, beer people jam sesh. Uh, it's the so DC come. Beer and Hellbender. Hey, hey, jam. Hey. I know. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait. If you if you want to hear somebody um, doing some 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 fast finger picking and stuff that you've probably never heard before and playing the harmonica, uh, that'll be me. Uh, and then uh, yeah. So Ben 
as always, thanks for joining us on the DC Beer Show and have fun tonight. And we wish you the best of luck. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Cheers. thanks, Ben. Cheers. Hi, we're here with Matt Monahan from Other Half. Matt, welcome to uh, DC Beer Week and uh, welcome to uh, Battle of the Barrel Age Beers. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. So, uh, what what'd you bring for us? Uh, we brought um, a beer called Rice Proxy Treats, uh, which is a collab we brewed maybe close to 18 months ago with uh, our buddies from Angry Chair. Um, we only released a fresh version of this in bottles, but this has been in barrels for close to that entire time. Oh, yeah. So we always brew a little bit extra freshed out and put it in barrels to see what happens. It must have come from Brooklyn or something because yeah, we haven't been you guys have been open to, that long. To yeah. be able to do that. Yeah, so yeah. if... Uh, we definitely cleared that one because I was like, oh, man, are you sure we're going to be able to even participate? And so. Oh, it smells good. Um, what are the tasting notes that we're looking for? What are we, what are we, what should be jacked about this beer? I think um, age does wonderful things for this style. Oh, wow. Um, you know, things, beers come together, roasted, roasted malts and, and, uh, and the, the acidity uh, in, the, in, the, in the base beer itself really complement a lot of the tannins and, and oak and stuff that comes out of barrels. Um, you can really get a lot of the Willet rye too, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, you know, it doesn't, one thing doesn't outshine the other. I think it kind of just all comes together into one really good, even experience. And so that's sort of what we shoot for. Cool. We understand that um, though this beer didn't come from the DC facility, there are beers from the DC facility that are barrel aged about to be bottled. You want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah, for sure. Um, we're, we've, uh, we've decided to uh, move a good uh, portion of our stout production down to DC. So we currently have um, a little over 300 um, bourbon, whiskey, rye barrels in the basement. Uh, and you will start to see the stuff coming out uh, from that program in the next uh, month or two. And, I've been in yeah. that basement. It's pretty sexy down yes, there. Yes, it is. It is spacious. <laughs> and for the whiskey heads among us, um, there are a fair amount of um, barrels that used to hold um, Buffalo Trace antique collection and other various allotted, coveted, um, the whales of whiskey. Yeah, we, we try and get a hold of whatever that, uh, what, all those varietals, anything we can get, all the BTAC stuff and anything in Buffalo Trace. But we also use a ton of... Um, of like sour mash, so anything out of Brown Foreman or Jack Daniels, you know, Woodford and that, that type of stuff. So, well, Matt, thank you so much for coming and talking to us before the crowd gets rowdy. Thank you. Um, and uh, this beer is fucking delicious. So, yeah, awesome. cheers. Thanks, guys. <laughs> cheers. Thanks. See you out there. We're here with Drew Shaw from Port City. Thank you for joining us, Drew, and welcome to what I believe is your first Battle of the Barrels. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. And we should be mention prepared. yes, we, we should mention that Port City are the defending two peat, the two-time returning champions. I yeah, believe. I've heard. Yes. I'm a little nervous. Drew, did you bring us a lager? No, not not this time. <laughs> no, this is our Colossal Six. Um, we first brewed it in 2017. It's our sixth anniversary beer. We brought it back this year, um, threw it in a barrel, and uh, yeah, hoping that we get another win. <laughs> what barrel did you throw it in? Can yeah, I guess? So, sure. <laughs> is it a rye barrel? Uh, it is not a rye Ooh. barrel. Nope. You're on um, tonight, Jake. <laughs> dude, get your pet. Where's your water, dude? Yeah, so uh, this year, uh, another 1.8 barrel. 1.8 uh, um, so everywhere. Yeah. So it's uh, originally, it was just a normal 1.8 whiskey bourbon. Um, it was then given to Zeke's Coffee, 
and they aged their roasted coffee beans in there. One eight got it back, put some weeded bourbon, and then it made its way to us where we put it in our Colossal Six, and uh, that's what you guys are drinking today. Awesome. That is good. pretty, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. It's like, like a little chewy, but like the yeast is nice and attenuated. Yeah. You get a little chocolate, a little coffee. Yeah, like you yeah. get a little bit of the vanilla from the bourbon. Mm-hmm. It's like it all balances out with the natural flavors of the Colossal Six. We're looking at like 10, 10 and a half or? Uh, 11 on the dot. 11 oh. on exactly the 11. dot. Yeah. Sure. Very nice. You're, very you're, nice. You guys are coming in old school for the Battle of the Barrel <laughs> yes. Age. You know, you're, you're not going to change your ways, man. We're going to stick with the high ABVs. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. sort of the Port City way. You know, yeah. you find out something that works, you keep it going. Um, if Port City wins again tonight, will there be shirtlessness? Because there's usually shirtlessness from Port City. Yeah, I've been told I will have to <laughs> take my shirt off. Prepare, yeah. yes. I And I will be here with my camera. <laughs> yes. <Great. laughs> I, well, fingers crossed, I take my shirt off and yes. give a speech that doesn't embarrass myself too much. We Even do wish you the best Zoom. of luck. <laughs> cool. Thank you, Drew. Much yeah. appreciated. Best of luck, and we'll see you out there. Cheers. Thank you so much. Will Cheers. Port City win again? We're here with Barrett Lauer, head brewer from Right Proper. And Barrett, you seem to have brought perhaps the lowest ABV beer here. What yes. Are, what, are, what, are, what are we clocking in at? We're clocking in at 6.4%. 6.4? Actually, so Atlas is 6.1. Mm-hmm. But this one is drinking, I think, a little bit easier. You want to tell us a little bit about uh, this one? Yeah, so it's basically a really uh, big melange or a blend of three different beers, but we're calling it uh, Dead to Rights, and it is, uh, it's a, we're categorizing it as a farmhouse red ale, and we've used three different types of barrels on this, and um, it's, uh, you get a lot of really nice flavors. Um, the three different types of barrels we used were apple brandy, um, uh, bourbon, uh, white wine, um, some tasting notes. Uh, Get sour, sweet, cherry, apple brandy, chocolate, um, obviously some wood. Uh, it's light in body and it's a nice amber hue. Um, it's a blend of basically uh, our cherry Corvo. We did a limited run of the right, cherry so Corvo. Baron, Baron Corvo, but the cherry version. Ch- ch- correct. We also have, uh, we have Dead Key in there, do we not? Correct. Yes. 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 Uh, yep. Yep. yep, you pegged that one. And then a little bit of the Friend Blend and Beneath the Elm. So we've got some fooder-aged uh, beers that, that have also been fruited as well. Friend blend is a little bit lighter, and so I'm guessing that the proportion of that is relatively lighter compared to that's the beer they did with um, it was pizza. a pizzeria pizza Paradiso. Paradiso. Yep. I don't think I had that. That one. was an excellent. I was like, but Dead I, Key, I had. Yeah, I was, yeah, I that was yeah. Fun. Dead Key beneath the elm. Like uh, friend blend kicks off like an awful lot of stone fruit, and here I get like plum, but mm-hmm. also like a, like chocolate toffee. Mm-hmm. How how did it go in terms of like the blending and tasting uh, to to get this ratio where you all wanted it? So we had you know I'm not gonna lie we had a little bit of a panic moment where we weren't completely ready for this event. It's so a pandemic. We, we, our, we understand. We went through our cellar and we did some tasting and uh, our head brewer at uh, at um, the tasting room Justin Larson spearheaded basically the blend and we 
tasted uh, different ratios, but ultimately he did it, uh, basically all the heavy lifting. Um, but we're, you know, moving more into clean beers at Brooklyn, whereas the, um, the Shaw location is going to be a lot more funky. Mm. I'm just a little disappointed that they didn't bring back Lenore again mm. from last year. I, that, we yeah. all voted that yes. was our okay. favorite beer that last was, year. That so, should have won. Yes. Last year, DC Beer did a podcasting live the day kind of, 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 but with yeah. those to-go crowler screw tops from right. my backyard. Mm-hmm. And the consensus among us was that Lenore was oh, the yeah. best. Hands and then down. we saw that Port City won, which is fine. It was, it's a lovely beer too. Yeah. We're all good beers, Bront. But... Um, <laughs> Well, we yeah. we were in the hunt there. I think we tied for third last year, but um, we will definitely have. Uh, that's a Solera beer that we do oh. at the pub, and we use uh, Oloroso sherry barrels for that. So there are currently three uh, barrels full that we will be brewing another batch of Lafleur Lafleur uh, this this winter mm. and replenishing. As long as everything tastes good, we don't have to dump anything. Such a so good beer, it's, yeah. It's always you're getting on the cusp there. I think um, this will be the eighth year that that Solera has been done. So, well, thanks for having us. And Cheers. thanks for doing what you do in the uh, industry here. We love you guys. Oh, cool. we, we love, love you. Too, Barry, Cheers. Also, open Brookland right proper during the week so I can go drink and not have to go to shop. <laughs> thanks. Hashtag Thor. Thanks. Cheers. All right. Yay. Cheers. Thanks. Cool. Thanks, Barrett. Greetings. We are here with Greg, the cellarman and expert of the barrel program at Three Stars Brewing. Hi, how's everybody doing? Good. How are you doing? What do you, what do you have here for us? So we've got a Lambic style ale here. Uh, we're calling it that because we don't really have a better name for the style. Um, it's a mix of old and young Lambics. Lambic style. It's not a spontaneous fermentation, so it's not mm. technically a Lambic, but... Uh, everything else that we try to do is uh, Lambic-esque, I guess, with some uh, three stars variations on it. So I'm getting a, a significant amount of wine barrel in here, and I'm wondering if you want to say a little bit about that. So a lot of our sours, we get that with a lot of our sours. This is actually uh, Willet Rye Whiskey Barrels. Yeah. What? Pr- pr- pretty much all of our non-dark sours people think are wine barrels, pretty much every single one. Um, that just tends to be the house flavor that we, we have, which we're not necessarily opposed to. We have a difficult time getting wine barrels, so if we're able to get that characteristic on its own, we're okay with that. So I'm picking up um, the, any wine notes are coming from yeast and bacteria and that's, other... That's correct. In general, if you get anything liquor or wine related from us with sours, it's probably from the yeast itself and, and less the barrels because we tend to do second or third yeast barrels with our sour program. The, the fresh barrels tend to go on our clean side barrel program. Any fruit, any, any tasting note? Like, yeah, you just like lambic style. You lambic know? style, that's it. That's, well, all, that's all there is. So uh, the tasting notes we had were, uh, we get some lychee from it, some peach. Mm-hmm. Um, I was about to say apricot, but yeah. Apricot's probably just as just it's as accurate. Peak, yeah. um, just there, there's sort of a a stone fruit group of fruits that we have a difficult time describing beers because a lot of them taste like that. Mm-hmm. We call them drupaceous. 
from the word droop, which we don't really use that much, or we we use it when we don't want people it's to know what a we're funny talking about. Name for a, a beer. <laughs> Believe you me, I've I pitched it several <laughs> times, lots and lots of times. I've pitched that. Salt and peppers. I want a droop. Yeah, or, uh, you know what yeah. I'm. You know what I'm thoroughly enjoying. And Richard and I walked around and kind of snooped around at the at the the placards or the the descriptions of the beer. And we always expect three stars to have this super duper boozy, super sweet, queen of the damned type beer, which is mm-hmm. what we started out with this evening. Um, so I was j- so pumped to see that it wasn't, you know, <laughs> that it was like a Lambic style beer. So I was like, well, I'm drinking a lot of that tonight. So yeah. Um, what made you guys decide to steer, you know, kind of in the brighter direction if that's the of okay word to use sure yeah well i think you i think you answered the question it, it's we've done a lot of it in the past so we tried to do something different for us yeah uh the other thing is there's a lot of other people doing those yeah. those beers uh, a lot of other people so it's either compete really hard in that space which we frequently do or we just try to create our own create our own space for us so what does this clock in at it's only 7.9. So ah. we have a base sour uh, that tends to come in at about 7.2 before it goes into barrels. And then it's just a matter of how much evaporation. That's generally what our sours are. We have different different recipes, but that's that's where we found the, the sweet spot is between actually being able to ferment and being able to uh, not have bacteria issues, mm-hmm. not have bad bacteria issues. Yeah, cool. Most important question, are you excited about tonight? I'm very excited about yeah. tonight. Everyone loves this event. This so. is my favorite event, seriously. <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah. that's, that's some what people say, but this said. really is my well, favorite event. Well, cheers to Greg and cheers to three stars. Cool. And, cheers. Uh, Thanks for having me. We wish you Thank the you best Greg. of luck tonight. Thank you. <laughs> cheers. Thank you to the breweries. Thank you to Boundary Stone for letting us record a pretty cool podcast there. And congrats again to uh, DC Brow for winning. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. This is Jake signing off for the DC Beer Show. We are at DC Beer across social media. You know, tag us, tell us what's up. Be safe out there. Drink the good stuff and tip big. Thanks. Until next time.